Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Good morning, church. It is good to see you this uh, just after Thanksgiving morning. None of you look like you gained any weight, so must have had a good Thanksgiving meal. Well, today, uh, we're going to do things just a tiny bit differently. And uh, and in case you don't know who I am or if you're new, uh, my name is Joshua Tompkins. I am your Next Generation's pastor here and privileged to serve you guys here at Crossgate Church. Uh, Today, I wanted to back up a little bit what Pastor Rob talked about last week, this, this mindset, this attitude of thanksgiving so if you have your bibles i want you to open them up uh, with me if you didn't bring one we'll be popping it up there uh, on the screens but just this this main verse is what has captivated me this main verse has been a mantra of my life uh, for the last month or so so first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 and it says Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Once again, give thanks in everything, for this, the giving thanks in all of the things in our lives, is God's will, but it's for us in Christ Jesus. So as many of you know, uh, just about a month ago, on October 18th, Uh, My house experienced an electrical fire that rendered my family's home pretty much unlivable. While the fire roared in the living room, superheated black smoke poured through uh, all of our ventilation and into every room. So, like, if it was inside of a cabinet, if it was inside of a cupboard, pantries, drawers, everything was melted, destroyed, and covered in Uh, this black, almost like a tar-like substance. So today, if you were to go to my house, it's completely ripped to the studs, the walls, ceilings, flooring, soon the roof, carpet, kitchen, electrical, ventilation, all of it's ripped out, all of it gone. When we moved, all of our belongings fit in the largest commercial-grade like trailer that I could possibly find through a moving company. Today... Most of our belongings are stored in about a dozen boxes uh, sitting in a pod in our backyard. See, what happened was I received a phone call from my father-in-law who was, thank the Lord, on property, and he saw smoke coming out of the house, called 911, did what he was supposed to do, turned off the gas, turned off the electrical, and then he called me to inform me that there had been a fire. So I was actually in staff meeting here at Crossgate when this happened. And I was also awarded, by the way, the most dramatic exit out of a staff meeting in the history of Crossgate. Because what happened was my father-in-law called me. I picked up the phone. I was like, what's going on? He normally rarely calls me. He's like, Josh, there's a fire. You need to get here as soon as possible. Come on. I was like, there's, there's a fire? Like in my house or like in the backyard? Like, just let's clarify. And he's like, no, no, it's in the house. It's not good. So I hung up the phone, walked in back to staff. They're like, is everything okay? I was like, no, my house is on fire. <laughs> That's basically what I did. They, uh, from what I've been told, they spent 20 seconds going, did he just say his house is on fire? And then they saw me running out the stairs into the car, uh, and they figured, well, guess his house is on fire. 
So when I got to the house, firefighters are entering, and I can see smoke pouring out of all of the doors. I can see it pouring out of our attic vents. As they begin to work, I can see the flames in the living room, and I can tell you it is a very odd experience to watch your home burn, to stand there and feel utterly helpless. Everything in you is compelled to do something, but you know I cannot do anything in this situation except trust in the firefighters that are there. So it wasn't long before my family arrived, each one in tears, as we try to make sense of how this happened and exactly what the loss would be. And so I have to be honest. In the moment, in this time, the last thing I was thinking about was being thankful. As I stood there and I'm watching the home burn down, I'm watching firefighters enter, I'm watching them poke the ceiling and, and throw out debris from my home, the last thought in my mind was like, well, thank you, Jesus, that was my fireplace mantle. It was, there was a lot of worry, like, was I, was I responsible? Did I forget to turn something off? Did, did I do something that caused this havoc in my home? It, it, was, it was fear. You know, did all the animals get out safely? You know, will, will insurance cover this? Like, is this a total loss? Are we ever going to be able to recuperate from this? And to be honest, there was, there was anger. You know, God, why? Of all the times and when this could happen, like, this, this is what, as my, one of my daughters put it, like, this is what happens to peoples in movies. Like, this is why you turn on to the Hallmark Channel and be like, everything will be okay. Like, this doesn't happen to us. And so why is it happening to us? And so there's this, like, mindset of anger. So even in the moment, as the day began to unfold, I had to take a step back and realize several things. One, my family was in my arms. We were all safe. The, the, my family was at a homeschool co-op doing school, and so they were not in the, in the house. Our animals were fine. Pastor Phil was there within minutes to comfort us. Before the firefighters even left, Crossgate had brought uh, lunch. Um, we had several people even show up with gloves, and they're like, we're ready to tear down your house. Let's go. Like, they came with tools and resources. Before I can even think, a hotel room was provided for my family. And even when we got to the hotel, we were greeted uh, with dinner by a dear Crossgate family. The next day, Crossgate families delivered trailers for my family to live in, emergency supplies, dinner, and so much more. And the way I phrase it to people is that my family did not even have time to despair because within even moments of this happening, God's loving kindness and mercy and provision was just every minute, every minute, and that was through you, Crossgate. So even in the midst of this trial, God has shown his faithfulness, his steady hand, a lesson of trust and providence for my family, but also for my heart, to which I say, thank you, Crossgate for all that you've done, all that you've provided, and all that you continue to do for my family as we walk through, uh, yes, a trying time. I will tell you, cleaning a septic out at 6 o'clock in the morning, not my favorite thing. But we have a warm home. 
We're still doing school. We're doing all the things we normally do. It's different, yes. It's harder, yes. But we're learning, we're growing, and we're blessed. So today we're talking about this attitude of thanksgiving and how do we, how do we get to that place of being thankful and what does it mean for us each and every day? Because we hear this term, but I think we have simplified it. We don't understand the larger biblical implications of what it is and why is it so important. So your first point for today I'm going to show you five truths of a thankful heart, which will include how to develop one in times of trial, trauma, and temptation. So point one, I'm currently learning, and I think some of you would say we're all learning this together, is always thank God no matter the circumstance you are in. Always thank God no matter the circumstance, for better or for worse, for the circumstance you are in. Ephesians 5, chapter, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 says, giving thanks always for what? Everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This mindset that as Christians, as believers, we're not just thankful for God for the, the good things in our life, but even the trials, even the trauma, even the things that we go through, we say, God, we, we thank you because we know through these there is something being produced. So we give thanks. There's a story that, that has long haunted my memory. Uh, it stands out as an example of the value of saying, thanks even when we don't understand, even when it's like, what, how can I be thankful for this situation? Uh, Corey Tembloom wrote her amazing story of love, of courage, and forgiveness in a book, The Hiding Place. If you have not read it, I encourage you, get on Amazon, get to a library, rent it, buy it, do whatever you need to do to read this book. So she and her family hid, helped to hide Jewish families during the Nazi occupation in Holland. Their whole family was arrested and taken to concentration camps. Corey tells this, this one instance, uh, which uh, when I read, I will never forget. So her and her sister Betsy were taken to a concentration camp, and after much persecution, arrived at their barracks. After a few days, they found that their barracks was infested with lice. And as a, as a youth pastor who has done kids' camps, youth camps, and all sorts of camps, no, I don't do that. That is one of the icky things that I stay away from. So Corey was upset naturally and told Betsy that she didn't know how she was going to sleep at night knowing that their beds were full of tiny crawling bugs. And Betsy, with her gentle spirit, reminding Corey that she must thank God for everything, including the lice. And, you, and as you read, you learn like, but, but how? But why? God, haven't we already gone through enough it just seems like we're adding insult to injury. After a while, Corey began to wonder why the guards never came to check their barracks as they did the others. And it was found out that the guards never came because of the lice. So Betsy and Corey led Bible studies each night without fear, knowing that the guards would not enter their barracks thanks to the lice. See, her story reminds me, even in these situations especially in our lives, there could be opportunities for thanksgiving. That we may not understand the problem that is happening in our lives, but we do know there's going to be a product because of it. That God continues to work in the good and the bad in our lives. So one, always thank God no matter what circumstance you are in, but two, 
kind of the flip of this, we need to understand that a thankless heart does not know God. A thankless heart does not know God. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21. It says, for, they, for though they knew God, watch this, they did not glorify him as God or what? Show gratitude. Instead, what they decided to do, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. So notice the two actions that set them to a point of being in a worthless type of life that set them apart from God. The first one is they did not glorify him, meaning the things in their life that were blessings, they were not pointing people to God. They were not giving God the glory that he was due, but they took it a step further, nor did they show gratitude for him. And so they didn't give him glory, and so it's easy to understand if they're not going to acknowledge God for his many blessings, then they're going to think the work is their own, and they're not going to thank God for the many blessings in their lives. So instead, they, their thinking became worthless, their senseless hearts were darkened, they became more hard-hearted because they had moved God aside. Look at this quote from Thomas Aquinas. It says, Thanksgiving is a special virtue, but ingratitude is opposed to thanksgiving. Therefore, ingratitude is a very special sin. See why? Here's the deal. We know that back in Genesis 3, the origin of our sin from Adam began, began in the garden. Like We know that's where sin began for us. However, this is not the earliest sin recorded, though the earliest sin was, was even before the creation of man, is recorded in Isaiah 14, where Lucifer fully displays pride magnified before God, where he stands before the creator and as creation looks at him and says, I, will, I want to sit on your throne instead of you receiving glory, I deserve glory and worship. And so because of this, he was cast out of heaven. And so we look at that, and we kind of move that aside as, well, that's a story about Lucifer. That's a story about Satan. But the reality is, is that is a story for our own heart as well. That there are times in our lives where we look at God, the creator of all things, and as creation, we look at him and we say, but I, I deserve worship. I've done greater things. I deserve to sit on that throne. See, it is our pride that is our downfall. And a thankless heart will continue to harden. A thankless heart will, will boost that pride and make little of God and much of yourself. But point number three, a true thankful attitude will lead to real and a lasting joy. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. It says, Let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. Then what? And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and, and teaching and, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with, with what? Gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want you to notice in this verse it answers two questions, the why and the how. 
Why? Why be thankful? Well, verse 15, and let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts. See, the why of, of having and developing a thankful attitude is because of what we desire from it, and that is the very peace of God. Not only do we just desire that peace of God, but we want it to rule our hearts because when our hearts rule, when it's our emotion, our pride, our will, things normally don't go well. And so why develop this thankful heart? Well, because then we can have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding and it can rule us in a gentle way. But then how? Well, look what it says in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitudes in your heart. This idea of how do we do it? Well, we rejoice with one another in community with one another. That's why we emphasize things like life groups here. Consistent church attendance here. Pouring into this community. Why? Because as you're in this community... You can continue to be thankful. We can admonish one another, encourage one another, hold each other accountable to how we are to walk in Christ. But then look how it points, like a thankful heart will naturally point to servanthood. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we have the why of we need to do this. We have the how of we need to do this. But when we answer those two questions, what naturally happens is our desire is to serve God, to please God in everything that we do. And so that is the natural mark of someone with a thankful attitude is that they desire to serve God, to please God in everything they do, whether in their speech or in their actions, thanking God for the ability to do so. So now it comes to this. How do we develop a thankful attitude? See, years ago, this would have been extremely difficult for me in my early 20s, walking through and battling depression and so one of the things that was incredibly hard for me to do and I had to understand through counseling was how to have a thankful attitude. How to take the, the negative mindset that I had about myself and to reorient it to where I was mostly thinking about and seeking out God. So I had to develop a life of thankfulness. So I want to walk through uh, several things with you and that's why we have a whiteboard today. All right, so to develop a thankful attitude, the first thing is this, is one, refocus your perspective. The first thing that has to change if you want to develop a thankful mindset is you have to change your perspective. Look at Psalm 119, verse 108. Lord, please accept my free will offering of praise and what? Teach me your judgments. See, the psalmist here is asking for a mindset change. God, there are times that it is hard for me to understand what is going on, so teach me your judgments. Teach me what is happening in my life. See, this should remind us of Job. As you look in the Old Testament, you see the story of Job walking from hardship to hardship, from loss and trauma and pain and like just sickness and illness and all of these things. You see this hardship in his life. And towards the end, it actually gets to the point where he's looking at God. He's like, why was I even born? Clearly, you made a mistake in my own existence. At that point, God steps into the equation and starts questioning Job. Where were you 
when I formed the, the foundations of the mountains? Where were you when I called all these things into being? Basically, reorienting Job and saying, if I'm creator and you're creation, shouldn't there be trust? See, the hardships in his life, in Job's life, didn't vanish. The only thing that changed was his perspective. See, after this, he saw God's perspective and no longer his own. He saw the grander picture. He saw what God was able to do, how God was able to work. He repented and he humbled himself before God. And most of you know the end of the story where his life was doubly blessed because of his faithfulness. But first, his perspective had to change to not just focus only on his own life, but to see from a godly perspective. The second is this. If we refocus your perspective, then the next is you have to refresh your heart. Look at Psalm 95, chapter 2, sorry, Psalm chapter 95, verses 2 and 8. It says, let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. But it also comes with a warning. Look at this in verse 8. Do not harden your hearts of Meribah as the day of Masha in the wilderness. So the first thing we have to understand is in order to follow God faithfully, to have an, a mindset of thankfulness, our heart needs to be refreshed. Refreshed not just in our circumstances, but in the Christ that has called us. So we enter into his presence the mindset of thanksgiving. We shout triumphantly to him in song. We worship him. But, but let's talk about this idea of hardening hearts. So what does it mean when it says, do not harden your hearts in Meribah on the day of Mash in the wilderness? All right. The first instance that we see of these two words and why we need to understand that this is very important, it comes out of Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. So God had recently uh, brought his people out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt he had done this through many miraculous signs. He had parted the Red Sea. In Exodus 15, the people sang a song of praise to God for his redemptions. At a point, they began to get really thirsty and began to grumble in Mara, and God provided a means of sweetening the water. Shortly afterwards, when they grumbled for lack of food, God gave them both manna and meat in Exodus 16. So every time there was a need, God had provided well, in chapter 17, the nation camped at Rephidim, where there was no water. The people began to, again, quarrel with Moses. Moses then tried to point out to the people that their grumbling wasn't really against him, but it was really against God. Actually, in verse 7, he says, is the Lord not among us? Like, why are you grumbling? God is here. He will provide as he has provided. But the people were so angry that they, they began to actually try to stone Moses. So in response, Moses' plea for help, God instructed him to strike a rock at Horeb with his rod. When Moses did so, water gushed from the rock, and the people were able to drink, and the place was then named Masha and Meribah. These names, which have the same meaning as testing and contention, to test God and to contend with God, which is very appropriate since we find these words to test and to quarrel. Uh, many times in this passage, the second account is in Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. It's a very similar story as Exodus 17. There was no water. People grumbled to complain against Moses and Aaron. They accused Moses of leading uh, Israel from Egypt only to let them die. In fact, this is where they start saying, wouldn't it be better if we went back into slavery? Wouldn't it be better if we were under bondage? 
They complained that their encampment was wretched, literally evil, clearly implying that Egypt was better. As Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before God, his glory appeared to them. He instructed Moses to take his rod and to speak, not strike the rock before the congregation, though. In anger, Moses scolded the people, struck the rock twice, and water came forth for the people to drink. Moses and Aaron were punished by God for their unbelief and their lack of reverence before the people, and as a result, they were not permitted to lead the Israelites into the promised land. You're like, thank you, Josh, for the biblical history lesson. But what does this mean? Here's the deal. These two accounts, when viewed in the light of their similarities and differences, lead us to important conclusions. First, the two events removed in time and involving by and large different people reveal a problem common to men of every generation. Masha and Maribel are not just biblical historical events. They are manifestations of a persistent problem that even occurs today. They reveal the attitudes and actions, the testing and contention, which resulted in the loss of blessings. Masha and Meribah are historical events which expose a deep-seated and reoccurring tendency to become hard-hearted to the things of God, to forget God's blessings in your life. See, for the Israelites, it's so clear. Like, we read the story, and we're like, how did they miss this? God had freed them, God had delivered them, God had provided them, and now there's this simple, seemingly simple thing in their life, and they're complaining, they're ready to murder God's prophet, and yet we do the same thing over and over and over, where there has been blessing upon blessing upon blessing, mercy upon mercy upon mercy in my life and in yours, and yet when a simple thing comes up, we say, God, wouldn't it be better to go back to bondage and slavery? God, why have you led me to such a place? We have to remind ourselves, the Bible warns so clearly against hard-heartedness to the very things of God when we become thankless to all that God has done. So what do we do? We have to remind yourself for God's goodness. I will thank the Lord, Psalm 7 17, I will thank the Lord for his righteousness. I will sing about the name of the Lord most high. So we remind ourselves of his goodness, and that helps us to refresh, that helps us to refocus. But not only that, we take inventory of our blessings. In James 5.13, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Well, he should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. We have to take stock and inventory sometimes of the many things in our lives that God has blessed us with. Otherwise, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to not see all that God has done for you. And so when we do this, we make God the source of our thankfulness. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and in awe. That when we focus in on this kingdom mentality, we will not be shaken no matter what happens in life. So how does this work? I wanted to show you this. I'll go back here. So this is something that I had to work through when I was younger, and I still basically worked through these last few weeks. So we have to refocus, refresh, remind, and take inventory. So when we look at refocus, let's take the incident that's been currently happening to me. When there is a house fire, house is lost, it's easy to just focus on the negative. 
it's easy to just look at that singular thing and say, God, because of this, my life is thrown into chaos, all is ruined, you've completely abandoned me, but is that true? It's not. It can be if that's the only way that I think, if I just trust my own heart. So I have to refocus. So I ask God, what is it that you're trying to teach me here? We all, most of us know Galatians 5 where we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no loss. I ask God in this moment, what are you trying to teach me? He's like, well, Josh, things burn. I'm like, okay, I got that, Lord, thank you. But I have to refocus. So God, maybe you're trying to teach me about joy. What where does my joy come from? Do I, am I being grown in that currently? So if so, God, I need a refreshing of my heart. Remind me, if you're teaching me about joy, about why I should have joy. So I, I can have joy ultimately in Christ because of his salvation. But God, you also need to remind me you need to remind me of your goodness so I can come over here to the reality that my family and I are safe, and I know that is good. So God, I can focus on this reality in this particular moment, but, but not just that, God. Okay, I need to take inventory. So this is exactly what I did. So there was the safety of my family. There's our four billion pets. Uh, if you don't know, we have goats, chickens, pigs, raccoons, I don't know. There's stuff out there. It's in the forest. They're all safe. You know, insurance. Thank the Lord Jesus for insurance in Geico. Never before was a lizard so great. So I can take inventory in this. And so what happens because of this, I can say because of the joy that I know he is growing me in, through Christ, he is reminding me of his provisions, but I can also take stock in how he has done that, and that all recenters me into this thankful mindset that God, not these things, these are not the source of my thankfulness, but that points me back to the true source of my thankfulness. I'm not thankful because of the stuff in my life. I'm thankful because of the Savior in my life. And maybe you're like me. This, this chart also works in reverse. You're like, I don't know how to get here. I'm in such a dark place that I don't know how to get to the point of saying I need to refocus. Well, then start at your inventory. Start at saying, okay, today I have breath in my lungs. Today I had warmth in my home. I had food on my plate. Today gas was down just a little bit. Thank you, Lord. And you start writing down these blessings one by one, little by little, however tiny or big they might be. And so then what that does is that reminds you of God's goodness that refreshes your heart in who he is and that refocuses your life on Christ. See, here's the thing, and this is kind of like when we teach kids, like when you say be thankful, they're like, well, just say please and thank you. No. I mean, yes, you need to do that. But see, thankfulness is more than just saying thank you, it's, and it's also not pretending that your challenges and your trauma are gone. It, it's it's recentering you to Christ, to who he is, and to what he has done. Thankfulness is our last point here. Thankfulness is a choice, and it's very easy to lose focus. 
Look at Psalm 92, one through two. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name most high, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. That every day we wake up with praising God for who he is. Look, it says in the morning, faithful love, and at night, faithfulness. God, you gave me breath, and you've proven yourself faithful through the day. Look at Colossians 3, 12 through 15. We've already referenced in one. It says, therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. Be thankful. Because look at, again, look at what all he has done for you. He has made you holy and dearly and beloved. And so we have to, like the clothing you put on this morning, choose to put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility, put on patience, forgiving those in our life. Look at Philippians 4, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. That your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present yourselves, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, we see this again, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, thankfulness actually guards us in life. Let me show you what I mean. In Psalms, one, uh, in Psalms 73, we see this very interesting uh, kind of back and forth in the psalmist's mind. So bear with me as I read this. God is, uh, verse one, God is indeed good to Israel and pure in heart, but as for me, look at what he's saying. He's like, I, I, I recognize, like Sunday school answer, God is good, but for me. Watch this. My feet almost slipped. My steps nearly slipped astray, for I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They, they mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven, and their tongues strut across the earth. He's, he's looking at it just seems like everybody has it easier, yet I am the one faithful to God, and I'm having it a really difficult time. Verse 11, the wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? And look at them, the wicked, they are always at ease, and they increase their wealth. You see his heart, and he struggles with how is it that it seems like the wicked prosper, but I am not. Well, watch this, verse 21. When I became embittered, and my innermost being was wounded... I was stupid and did not understand. I was unthinking animal toward you, yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the what? The strength of my heart, my portion forever. Notice his mindset switched to a very self-centered, to a very thankful mindset. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord my God, my refuge, so I can tell you about all that you do. 
And that brings us full circle back to Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Why? Because in 1 Thessalonians it tells us, give everything, give thanks in everything, for that is God's will for you, for me, in Christ Jesus. So we need to turn a thanksgiving into a thankful living mindset. That is to offer God the sacrifices of thanksgiving, to praise him and give him glory, and thank him for the many blessings in our lives. And so for you today, I hope that as you leave, as you talk to your family, as you witness to others, that you talk about the thankfulness that you have because of Christ and who he has done. I'm going to call the band up real quick. I want to say this. If you're here today and you are so incredibly thankful for the gift of Christ and you have been longing to know him and to enter in a relationship with him, to not leave this room without taking that opportunity. If you want to know more about how I can be thankful and especially why we are so thankful because of the sacrifice of Christ, I encourage you to meet us in next steps. Talk to one of us pastors or the people there so we can pray with you, share the gospel with you, and show you why we are so thankful. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I want to be baptized. I recognize the very sacrifice of God. And because of the thankfulness of my heart, I want to be obedient in following him and serving him. And that begins with baptism. If that's you, I encourage you to go back into next steps. Talk to one of the pastors and we can explain all that process to you. Maybe you just need prayer. There's been a hardened heart. The altar is always open. But there are pastors, deacons, elders that would love to pray for you. But I just encourage you, especially during this season, be thankful for all he has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you do, for all you continue to do in our lives. And Lord, as we continue in a spirit of worship, you remind us of all of these things, how truly blessed we are because of Christ. We thank you. We praise you. In your name, amen. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.